from Panthers training camp at Wofford College in Spartanburg. It's CSL, Charlotte Sports Live. All is quiet tonight at Wofford College in Spartanburg, minus the big storm that rolled through here a little bit earlier on. But that will all change in just three days when Panthers training camp officially begins. And the official home of the black and blue will be with you every step of the way. And with that, we welcome you in to Charlotte Sports Live, live from Gibbs Stadium on the campus of Wofford College here in Spartanburg. Grace Grill and Gay McDonald with you. We are here. Hey, training camp. I mean, you saw me when I was driving in earlier. It is just good to be back. <laughs> Football season is finally here, guys, and of course, we're live every step of the way over the next few weeks, and tonight, we're getting you prepped and ready with everything you need to know heading into that first practice coming up on Wednesday morning. Going to be fun, G. Yeah, and it's not just me and Gabe. We're out here in Spartanburg, but back in our Charlotte Sports Live studios, we've got Joe Morano helping us out with everything else that went on this weekend. What's going on, Joe? Other than just being jealous of not getting that taste of football that you guys have right now, <laughs> uh, still plenty to talk about, of course. The Cup Series took on the tricky triangle today. We got to show you how that one finished. A lot of tempers flaring. You'll see who got that. Plus, both Miles Bridges and LaMelo Ball addressed the media this past week. We'll revisit Will Kunkel and Willie P giving their reactions to that. And then we have some new Hornets information that we're going to start with tonight, guys. Isn't that right, Grace? That's right. We'll start there with the Charlotte Hornets. ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski is reporting that the NBA's Board of Governors has officially approved the sale of the Charlotte Hornets to a group led by Rick Schnall and Gabe Plotkin. That means Michael Jordan's 13-year run as majority owner is just about over. But MJ won't leave empty-handed. No, he's selling his shares for approximately $3 billion. He'll also retain a minority stake in the team. All right, well, now let's get back to football. The first step of training camp can officially be checked off. Panthers rookies arrived yesterday at Wofford College. We were there as Bryce Young took his very first steps on campus. And it was a busy weekend for the number one overall pick. He also signed his four-year rookie deal. CSL has been able to confirm it's worth $37.9 million. Now, you may be wondering how the Panthers settled on Wofford College as its camp location, where our Michael Set has that answer tonight. When Carolina head coach Frank Reich stopped by Wofford earlier this year, he couldn't help but notice just how much things had changed since his playing days with the Panthers. It was interesting. He was a uh, the quarterback on the first team. So he came in and he said, wow, this is so much different. That was back in 1995 when the Panthers were a brand new team heading into their first ever training camp. First one was pretty hard. After the end of the first one, we weren't sure if we could do this again. But they did. And now 28 years later, it's become a big summer tradition in upstate South Carolina. And it all began when the Panthers were just an apple in the big cat's eye. All of it started with training camp with a, with a note from Mr. Richardson. And the note said, Danny, confidential, going after an NFL team for the Carolinas. Carolina would get that team in the fall of 1993. And from the beginning, Wofford wanted in on being their official training camp home. There was just one problem. We had a lot of needs at the college. Things like land for practice fields and better facilities to house an NFL team. And there was also competition from Winthrop, where the Panthers would conduct their first practices in the spring of 1995. But seeing how Richardson was a Wofford alum, Spartanburg was the clear favorite. There was a, a important meeting late in the spring of 95, and we said, we will be ready. And uh, uh, Mr. Richardson said, uh, we believe you. You better be ready. 
Oh, they sure were. Within 18 months, the school raised $8 million, bought extra land, and somehow completed construction on the Richardson Physical Activities Building, a facility that serves both as a locker room as well as a place where the Panthers can hold meetings. It was, it was a little bit like Field of Dreams. Here is, if you build it, they will come. They did, both the Panthers and their fans alike. And unlike some of the things Reich noticed in his return, that has not changed. Mike Lissette, Charlotte Sports Live. All right, thank you, Mike. Getting everything needed for camp down to Spartanburg is a feat in itself. That process started more than a week ago and takes a handful of people on the Panther staff to make a reality. We're talking on-field and exercise equipment, office supplies, and community relations gear, all packed aboard more than a dozen moving trucks for the hour-and-a-half drive down 85 to Wofford College. Really, we just want everything to run smooth. Uh, we don't want the limelight. We don't want our names known. We just want practice to run smooth, the move to camp to go flawless. When we travel, we, wanna, we want the players and coaches to be able to get to their spot and go right to work. thing 27 years with the franchise this crew has never left a single thing behind so they're ready for it down there in Spartanburg Carolina has 12 practices on the schedule before preseason game number one against the Jets that's all worth noting 11 of them down at Wofford College and of course don't forget about Fan Fest happening over at the bank on August 2nd now veterans report to camp on Tuesday and a new Panther has been using his last few days in Charlotte to help give back. Of course, we're talking about Miles Sanders. Before he reports to training camp for himself, he hosted a camp of his own this afternoon over in the Charlotte area. Now he's the Panthers' new running back and he's looking forward to life down here, but he held a free youth football camp at Rocky River High School out in Mint Hill to meet some of these kids and these young fans. Hundreds came out and Sanders also had assistance from veteran linebacker Shaq Thompson over on the field there. Sanders has only been with the Black and Blue since March, but he says he's already feeling plenty of love from the Queen City community. I love it actually, and um, I'm embracing it like I said, and I, I wanted to, you know, uh, you know, interact with the community as best okay. way as I can, and, and I think the best way was to have a free camp, and you know, I had, I think about 400 plus kids registered, and Everybody mainly showed up, and I'm just grateful that everybody's, you know, coming out here for me. But actually, I'm really out here for them, and that's what's my point for you. Now, this was Sanders' second camp this summer. He hosted one in his hometown of Pittsburgh. This was Sanders' second camp this summer, and he hosted one in his hometown of Pittsburgh last Sunday. Now, Panthers fans will, of course, get to come out and watch open practices over at Gibbs Stadium, but there's a new way to make sure you get a seat in the stands. You don't want to miss this. We'll fill you in when we come back here on CSL. All right, some housekeeping news from the black and blue ahead of camp. The team adding four players to its physically unable to perform list on Saturday. Those are guards Austin Corbett and Chandler Zavala, along with defensive line men John Penasini and Jalen Redmond. Players can be activated from, the, from this list at any time during camp. Let's get to some other sporting news from today because a lot has happened beyond the grid. And we got my main man, Joe Morano, back in studio to get us up on this busy Sunday. Joe, what's good, man? 
We're heading to the track first, guys. That's what we have to do. We need to let you know what's happening in the Cup Series as it made its way to Pocono over the weekend. Worth noting that for the first time in a month, a race weekend has not been held up by bad weather. So just a chance to get out there, fire up the engines, and fire up the tempers because we had a lot of that today as we head on out to PA for a nice day of racing. And you know what? It starts nice for Joey Logano out at Pocono. He'll get in front of William Byron for the lead. And later on, he goes on to win stage one. Very short-lived victory, though. Just six laps later, it's Michael McDowell who taps Logano from behind. He'll hit the wall. Daniel Suarez in the same scrum gets clipped by Bubba Wallace. That would end Suarez's day. And as we just said, a lot of frustration. That's the theme. 55 laps to go. You'll see Tyler Reddick bump Austin Dillon. Austin Dillon totals when he goes up against the wall right there. Dylan is none too happy about it, launching his helmet out onto the track. Oh boy, pretty rough all the way around. In the final laps, look at the back of the pack. Ryan Priest goes sideways. That's courtesy of Corey LaJoy. And notice the dash footage afterwards. That is Priest, who is has to be restrained, trying to confront LaJoy about the late race maneuvers there. Also happening in these final laps, Denny Hamlin is dealing with Kyle Larson and Hamlin puts Larson into the wall. After this race, Hamlin said no way he could have just passed Larson without pulling such a move. And you know what? It worked for Hamlin. There were plenty of boos from the fans over at Pocono because of the maneuver, but at the end of it all, it's number 11 who takes the checkers and Hamlin wins his 50th Cup Series race. And how about the Open Championship? Going big here, final round over at Royal Liverpool. That is Rory McIlroy who makes birdie to get to six under par. He would finish six under par as well. One day after shooting a 63 and setting the course record, John Rahm is back at it on the 13th tee, sticks his tee shot, he would sink a birdie here and finish seven under in a four-way tie for second because everyone was chasing this guy all weekend. Brian Harmon, the only guy to shoot in the 60s, the first three rounds, and on Sunday, on the 14th, he lands a 40-foot birdie putt. And then on 15, his approach sticks right where he needs this to go. Harmon is able to run away with this one. 13 under par on the weekend. He wins the Open Championship by six strokes. He was on fire for the last four days, but it was a little motivation from Miranda Heckler yesterday that he took personally to close out the title win today. Yesterday, a guy, when I was passing him, he said, Harmon, you don't have the stones for this. That helped. That was, the, that was the motivation? Yeah, that helped a lot. I think he was a... Uh, anyway, that, that helped. I mean, it just helped snap me back in, like, you know, that I, I'm good enough to do this. I'm going to do this. But he's still an everyday working man. Harmon says to celebrate, he's going to relax and mow his acres of property he owns in Georgia on his new tractor that he recently bought. Good for him. Congrats to Harmon. All right, LaMelo Ball and Miles Bridges are great friends. Not only will both be back in purple and teal next year, both stars also met with the media this past week. Will Kunkel and Willie P from WFNZ have the reaction to it coming up. Plus, a tale of redemption. The Fort Mill baseball player right there who finally accomplished his dream this past week of playing in the major leagues. We've got that story that you don't want to miss. You're watching Charlotte Sports Live.
LaMelo Ball is here to stay. The Hornet star guard met with the media this past week after signing his max rookie extension that could be worth as much as $260 million. But as general manager Mitch Kupchak has said, Ball is a cornerstone piece of this franchise. Up to the moment he re-signed, there was a wild amount of speculation that he would want to leave for a bigger market. Well, newsflash, he loves it in the Queen City. The decision, it wasn't really hard. I mean, all my years here, I had a good time. Life wasn't bad. You know, the basketball aspect, if that's not really going well, you kind of want to, you know, live your life and just have fun and, you know, just be living well. So in Charlotte, I was doing that, so it just all felt like a great choice, and I just, just made it pretty much. We have not had great success as a team, which is something that, you know, will change. That's our stated goal. But to have a player like him back with us, choose to come back to us, um, it's exciting, and I would hope that's exciting for the city of Charlotte. Now, LaMelo could earn up to $260 million, but even his base deal blows every other former Hornets contract out of the water. Five years, $206 million. Gordon Hayward is behind him with a four-year, $120 million deal. Nick Batum got the same amount, but over five years back in 2016. Terry Rozier signed in 2021 for four years, $96 million. And finally, Cody Zeller signed a four-year, $56 million deal also back in 2016. And not only is LaMelo Ball getting a massive raise, he also gets to play another year with one of his best friends in Miles Bridges. Yeah, that's right. Bridges signed a one-year qualifying offer to stay in Charlotte. And he spoke to the media for the first time in months this past week. Will K and Will P have reaction to his comments? All right, I want to do something that we haven't done before. Kind of a, a week that was with the mind of Willie P. <laughs> the voice, the face of WFNZ and Charlotte FNZ. All right, Willie, first of all, how you doing? Everything all right? Good to see you, Will. And uh, you are entering in dangerous territory here. All right, let's start early in the week. We started with Miles Bridges. I don't think we've ever had so much news in a week that was so boring of nothing going on. In July, of all yeah, things, right? Miles Bridges, your takeaway from his press conference was what? I thought it kind of rang a little flat. You know, I think we all kind of had our own expectations about the way it was going to go. And honestly, I looked at it from the standpoint of if he apologizes and he's contrite, you know, I'm going to keep an open mind. It seemed like he did that to a point, but... I feel like from an action item standpoint, he didn't really offer much. There was that point in the latter part of the press conference where he's like, you know, maybe there is going to be a time where I get out in the community. He, he really wanted to focus on himself, focus on basketball. I don't know how forgiving the fan base is going to be when it comes to that. I understand that the first time he scores 30 points, throws down a, a hammer dunk, it'll feel like maybe all is forgiven for that. But I still know a lot of fans have come to us and said they don't feel as comfortable with having him back as they should. I don't understand. As they would, I should say. I don't understand how there wasn't a plan in place. It seemed like he was unprepared Very for this so. press conference. He hadn't talked in 15 months, and I put that on him. I put it on his agent. I put it on the team. I, whoever it is wants to take the percentage of the pie, I don't really care. How does he not come out? Like, Kyle Bailey, this is the one question I wanted answered. Mm -hmm. And Kyle Bailey asked, what's his plan from an advocacy standpoint? There's no plan for him to get in that arena to help others. And that, I'm like... How is that even possible or at least have an answer prepared as to why you're not right now and what your plan is versus I'm just focusing on myself and basketball? Yeah, like, that's not an answer. It's a talking point. Yeah, I know. When you don't talk for as long as he talked, I was very surprised myself that, that there wasn't something offered in that vein. And I think there could have been some sort of action item taken. Mm -hmm. And I even saw uh, Mitch Kupchak during that answer or that question from Kyle he kind of looked and was like, you know what, maybe that wouldn't be the worst idea in the world. I, I honestly feel like, look, I can respect that maybe he wants to try and get his own situation and sure. his own house in order first before he gets into that. But 
to, to, to not have an offer something about, you know, okay, I want to do this, and then I want to go out in the community and I want to be there for, you know, victims of domestic violence, things of that nature, it just, like I said, kind of rang a little hollow to me. Yeah, it wasn't as sincere as I was hoping, and I wasn't going into this being like, you have to say this in order for me to forgive you. No. And it's not about me forgiving anybody. I, he doesn't know what's anything. No, it doesn't, but if he wants the fans' respect back, he needs to earn it somehow other than dropping 30 points in a hammer dunk. And all I wanted to see was a plan of action. I think all they had to do was kind of open that door of I'm serious, I'm contrite, and these are my plans. And I think fans would be like, all right, that's all I needed yeah. to hear. They gave him they that max did. deal. Did they get this right? Your takeaways from that press conference. Well, I think it also, and I said this to Mitch when we were in the press conference, this now puts a timer on the Hornets when mm. it comes to the next three, four years. You have to basically prove that LaMelo is not only a star you can build around, but that you can build around him. And that's the part of it that I feel like is very challenging from a Hornet perspective. Mitch came out and said that he believes that the tools and pieces are there for them to compete this year. I don't know if that necessarily is the case because you can sit here and say all you want about all the injuries the Hornets took a year ago. Does that make up 20 wins? Does that make up 15 wins? Does that put them outside of a play-in game? I don't know. And so I feel like there still needs to be more star power out of this roster. Whether Brandon Miller can develop and mature into that type of role, that could be very much something to be seen. But I still feel like they are one star away from trying to get themselves into that essence of where they are actually contending and making a deep playoff run. They're relevant now, though. Like, they're relevant in the conversation from a standpoint of there is some hope and there is a timer. Last year, I don't know that there was a timer. It was like the timer was get the season over with. Right. This is an absolute disaster. And mm -hmm. if there's a timer, that means there's at least something that you're trying to achieve. Like, you put that cake in the oven and you're hoping right. it comes out a delicious meal, right? You're using you're using the Nick Saban analogy is what you're doing. <laughs> exactly. So I get that. And by the way, we can talk about oatmeal cream pies later if you want. But... I have the utmost respect for what they're trying to do mm -hmm. with this market. And I understand trying to do this through the draft and through trades and things of that nature. I understand it's a very, very difficult thing to do. But the Gordon Hayward experiment seems like a swing and a miss. The Terry Rozier experiment, they improved that man's value. I just don't know if there's anything beyond the ceiling that we've seen. Yeah, Mike Lissette was saying the other night on Charlotte Sports Live that Terry was a bust for that deal. And I, did, I no, disagreed no, 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 entirely. No, no, no. Given what... Kemba was on the opposite side of that, they more than won that deal. And mm -hmm. that's totally – I think you can sit here and say Terry Rozier was a good ad for the Hornets, but it didn't take them to that next level. I think both things can be true in that sense. So from my perspective, it's get another star in here, somebody who wants to play with Lamelo. I honestly feel like the next two years will really tell the story about whether or not Charlotte becomes an attractive spot for free agents and trades to happen. It's a boomer bust way to go about building a team. You are playing the lottery from a standpoint of does Brandon Miller hit? If so, great. Does Mark mm -hmm. Williams hit? If so, great. Like, does Miles Bridges put it all together and is he able to keep his nose clean? And if so, great. Other teams go out and grab this guy's good, this guy's good, this guy's good. We're going to take them, put them together, and we will be competitive because we know what they have to offer. This is a roll the dice, let's hope it works. And it's if it doesn't, then we restart every single two to three years. Well, there's – there's I understand why. There's, there's examples in the NBA of teams that have built from within in small well, markets. Well, sure, but we it's still boomer. Like, if Giannis didn't hit, the Bucks aren't the Bucks as we have got to know them. And that, well, that's what they're hoping with Lamelo. They're hoping right. that Lamelo can be that kind of guy with his profile, where he can take this squad and put them on his back. Can he score enough to do that? Can he make enough assists happen to make that happen? 
That, I think, all remains to be seen because we've even seen with guys like Luka, you know, it's, it's hard to, to put it all on his shoulders mm -hmm. and have a deep playoff run of success. You need other stars around you. All right, thank you, fellas. So maybe you've already secured your tickets for training camp, but if you have not, we will tell you how to do it coming up next. And after losing back-to-back -back series, the Braves finally get it together against the Brew Crew. We head to Milwaukee just ahead on Charlotte Sports Live. And our focus is on training camp this week, but we haven't forgotten about ACC Media Days. This kicks off in Uptown Charlotte later this week. Here's when our in-state teams take the podium at the West End. We got Duke on Wednesday, Clemson, North Carolina, NC State, and Wake Forest will be on Thursday. Meanwhile, the talk of college football is how to handle NIL. And some of our state coaches chimed in on that this weekend. I think we were all in agreement that the student athletes deserved a little bit more piece of the pie than what they were getting, but I don't know if this open free market NIL was what any of us anticipated. We all want a level playing field is what we want. And uh, we want somehow for there to be federal legislation that allows us an opportunity to have oversight in this space. And I think that's where it's really challenging is 50 states have 50 laws. If we don't have a national standard, then what we're going to do is we're, we're going to, we'll never see college sports uh, like we've seen it before. We're going to have 12 that have more money than everybody else, and those 12 are going to be having the best players. They're going to be in the 12-team playoff and nobody else. We'll certainly hear much more about all of this NIL talk once media days get going on Tuesday. And with that, we welcome you back inside Charlotte Sports Live, live from the campus of Wofford College here in Spartanburg. She's Grace. I'm Gabe. And Grace, the fans are going to be here Wednesday, and this stadium is going to be packed. Yeah, I'm excited to see it. There's so, there's so much more to be seen this year that I'm excited to see how they really feel this stadium. But it will be a little bit different because unlike in years past, fans will now have to get a ticket to get through those gates. But not to worry because, at least, as Elise Devlin tells us, it won't cost you a thing. Decked out in Carolina Panthers signs and decorations, the city of Spartanburg is ready to welcome back the NFL team to Wofford College. This is go week now and you can see that all around campus. There will be 12 practices open to the public as part of the training camp with the first one on July 26th. It's great for the Spartanburg community, you know, the tourism and everybody coming and getting to see, you know, we know Spartanburg is a great place and obviously uh, we love showing off Wofford College and our campus. The training camp will include two days of joint practices with the New York Jets and their new quarterback Aaron Rodgers on August 9th and 10th. Practices, which are free and open to the public, will require tickets to attend. It's a little bit different this year with you needing a, quote, ticket to come to practice since Ticketmaster is the presenting sponsor, but it's a free ticket um, just to try to actually track some numbers and to get some real attendance numbers this year. The Panthers have spent their Julys in Spartanburg since 1995. This decades-old relationship is something Wofford views as a highlight for students. It's just it's special for our students and our student-athletes, you know, to be able to um, interact some in, with NFL players. Again, fans can purchase tickets day of here at the training camp, but for fans using Ticketmaster, they are limited to six tickets per account. In Spartanburg, Elise Devlin, 7 News. All right, we are three days out from practice number one, and obviously we're already here, and we will stay here until that first preseason game against the Jets. That means you will be getting exclusive access and exclusive camp interviews that you will not hear anywhere else because you are right here on your official home for the black and blue. All right, so let's turn our attention to what we're going to see on the field over the next few weeks here in Spartanburg. Grace, give me three things that you're most looking forward to 
why we're here in training camp. Well, that's why camp is so exciting because I feel like there's so many storylines. you got a new coaching staff coming in and, of course, QB number one, which is the number one thing that I will be watching. How does Bryce Young command this offense? How does he step up? How do the players on the field respond to him? Does he know the playbook? How is he going to see over the offensive line? I mean, we've been talking about his size. We hate to go there, but it is a real concern, and maybe it won't be after the end of camp. The other thing I'm looking at is tight ends. We have been kind of strung along saying, you know, you bring in a guy like Hayden Hurst, are they going to be more involved in this offense? You look at great successful offenses. I, I, the Kansas City Chiefs. Look at the Baltimore Ravens with Mark Andrews. The 49ers. Will that be a big impact this year? And I'm looking to see if that will start here in camp. The other thing, of course, the defense. They're going to that new, that new scheme. Brian Burns going to have a Big year, needs to have a big year, kind of betting on himself type year. How does he adjust? And Yitor Grossmatos, guys like them, how – because this was a – that was a dominant group in camp last year and last season. Will it carry over with a new scheme? That's going to be a big thing for me now. Of course, my three things, I'm obviously starting with Bryce Young. We all want to see, especially me, how he takes command of the team because obviously Frank Reich talked a lot in the preseason or before the season. A guy, if, you know, you're not that kind of rah-rah guy, guys can see right through that. So I want to see him – Take command, be cool, calm, and poised like it was at Alabama. Obviously, you're in the league now, so it's a different game. But I want to see how he takes that next step. And for me, number two, Terrace Marshall Jr., second-round yep. pick out of LSU a couple years ago, kind of the maybe the forgotten member of that trio because, obviously, you look at what Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson have done in the league, becoming two of the best receivers but right now But lots of expectations that's still. And that's the thing, too. Like, coming out of that, I want to see him take that next step because he's another guy that has had a pretty big preseason. I want to see that carry over into camp. A big thing for him is staying healthy. And with defense – the transition to outside linebacker for those defensive ends. Specifically, like you mentioned, Yitor Gross Matos yep. playing a traditional hand-in-the-dirt defensive end. He probably needs to cut a little bit away because he's going to be dropping a little bit in coverage. I want to see those guys, him and Brian Burns alike, how they make that transition to that outside linebacker spot. Those are my three things I'm looking forward to. But really, I want to see Terrace take a big step. Is this, staying with him, is this the, the deciding year this for him? It. His career is on the line this year. He has to stay healthy. He has to really just take control and really just be on his stuff because this is make or break for him. I mean, he's entering year three of his four-year rookie deal. This is a big year for him. Yeah, the other thing that I'm looking at, too, is is the coaching staff, right? Like, they look great in OTAs. There's definitely a different vibe to it, but does that carry over into camp? And, of course, the fans. Like, are we going to see more than years past? Because there's a different level of excitement with this team. I think that hill is going to be packed. But let's move <laughs> from the gridiron to the baseball diamond because we had the Braves in action in the Brew City taking on the Milwaukee Brewers earlier today. And, obviously, we're going to pick this up in the second inning. No score. Travis Darnode going opposite field. A little oppo taco for a solo homer. The Braves taking a one Nothing lead. Seventh inning, now 2-1. to one. Kevin Pillar hitting a pop fly. Terang and Sal Freelich, they collide. But look, showing you on the replay, they're actually Terang makes the catch. Both players would stay in the game. Just insane how that – look at that right they there. They don't want to hurt him. He's big. Exactly. But still <laughs> able to make the catch a big play. Still 2-1 in favor of the Brewers. Now move to the eighth inning. Braves down 2-1 but 2 on. Ozzie Albies crushing the Elvis Baguero pitch for the three-run home run in Atlanta with a big win. They're going to get it done. Four to two. Oh, they found their bats. <laughs> well, tonight, a heartwarming story of a young man in Fort Mill who had his dreams of playing professional baseball, but now he's finding love and coaching young kids in his hometown of Fort Mill. And Shakira Speaks explains he's given his shot at playing in the big leagues again another try. 3-2 pitch. He gets his first big league strikeout. And a throw to second. Double play. A strike him out. Throw him out. Double play. Welcome to the big leagues, Alex Spees. I was just going nuts. I couldn't really think straight because, I mean, 
I didn't really know what to say. And Wyatt Cox is still speechless after seeing his former baseball coach Alex Spees on the mound for the Texas Rangers. Spees was called up from the minor leagues on Wednesday, and in his debut, he struck out three all-star players. To strike out three big league players is nuts, but to strike out three all-star players and have Randy Rosarena throw his bat 120 feet was nuts. Spees had a Cinderella story. After being drafted in 2016 in the second round by the Texas Rangers, he dominated in the minor leagues. Last year, Spees took some time off from baseball to focus on his mental health and his family. But heading into spring training this year, he decided to give baseball one last shot. And after receiving the call, he texted his former teammates from the Fort Mill Peaches, a local adult softball league. You wake up in the morning, you see that text first thing, and you're just like, what? And then immediately we're going, are we buying plane tickets? Are we trying to, like, what are we doing? I think my first response was just a big let's go. And his time away paid off. We're just going nuts. 92 mile an hour slider? Screaming, slamming on our table. We had Hickory Tavern pretty loud with a whole 10 people in there. People are looking at us like, man, what are y'all on? We just looked at each other and I said, is it okay? Like, can we cry? Are we allowed to cry? Now being on Turner Field in Tika K feels a little different. Not only did the Peaches make memories, they did so with a now major league pitcher. For Cox, he'll never forget the time he spent with Spees, who gave him his personalized pitcher's glove. He was a huge influence on my baseball journey. He taught me almost everything that I know about pitching. He taught me the fundamentals of pitching, fundamentals of hitting. Logan Bailey had a deeper connection with his former teammate. He spent time training with Spees in the offseason, doing throwing programs and working out in the garage for hours in the heat. I think that the, the big message is, you know, if, if you truly love something and are willing to put in the effort and the work that it takes to get there, that, you know, you'll be able to, you reap what you sow more or less. For now, reporting in Fort Mill, Shakir Speaks, Queen City News. All right, Charlotte Christian football knows what it takes to win a chip. Last year coming so close to doing it, and they have their sights on finishing the job this season. And media days are happening. New coaches are getting the chance to take center stage. It's talking season, guys. And coming up, we're we'll from the new head coach of Coastal Carolina. We've got CSL coming up in two minutes. High school football is almost here, and the South Point Stallions come into this season just two years removed from winning their seventh state title in just their 18 years of existence. Led by head coach Bobby Collins, the Stallions are coming off an 8-4 and four season. But with senior quarterback and Georgia State commit Malachi Marshall returning to lead the way, the Stallions are eyeing a return to the top. All right, and Charlotte Christian football is trying to make it back to that state championship game after falling in it last season. But the team underwent a lot of changes this offseason. Here's our preseason look at the Knights. There's a quarterback battle going on at Charlotte Christian. Oh, it's wide open at this point. I think it's, it's, it's uh, you know, we've got a couple guys who are competing for it. And so, um, you know, every day it's, I tell those guys, I mean, every day of your life is a job interview. Chris James knows all about the job interview process as he was elevated this season from offensive coordinator to head coach. You know, Jason Eastep, who's the old head coach, is one of my best friends. And so um, it was kind of always the plan for me to be the head coach in waiting and didn't think it would happen as quickly as it did. But um, it's kind of, you know, how it all worked out. But, um, you know, definitely grateful for the opportunity. An opportunity that comes with great expectation. The bar is always high. And so, um, you know, our, our goal ultimately is to win a state championship every year. I mean, it's, it's an expectation for us to, 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 to be in that, that final game and um, ultimately to win it. The Knights were in that final game last season but fell short of the title. And with a new head coach and an inexperienced to-be-named quarterback, there's one group that the Knights have really relied on. 
Um, right now, I just feel like our seniors are really stepping up and taking the role to lead the young guys and just elevate every, the whole team in general. Um, all of our seniors have taken it on themselves to just make sure the program keeps the winning tradition and make sure that when the younger guys come up, that they're ready to take the same role that we have taken this year. But even though they'll be young, it's a group the Knights are excited about. We'll be younger, but we'll be, uh, we're fast. And, and so, um, you know, we're not the biggest group. We're, we're fast and we play hard. And so we get a lot of guys that, that play hard, have a high motors and all that stuff. And so um, that's kind of the good thing about our, you know, us offensively is we're multiple. So we can do a lot of different things out of you know, whatever personnel groupings we have. And it's the personnel the Knights have on defense that's going to be even tougher to beat behind the duo of four-star Notre Dame commits Micah Gilbert and Bryce Young. We're going to go out and work. Uh, I'll compete the other team, outwork, out hustle, outrun, everything, out muscle. I'm really excited about the whole defense in general. We have so much energy, just so much togetherness when we're on the field, and I feel like we're going to shock a lot of people. Charlotte Christian opens up the season August 19th against Myers Park. For Charlotte Sports Live, I'm Grace Grill. All right, a new era beginning three and a half hours east of here in Conway. Coastal Carolina has a new head coach, and he joins CSL next. It's a wet night out here at Gibbs Stadium at Wofford College, but the show goes on. we got more CSL for you guys coming up in just two minutes. Football media days for the American Athletic Conference start tomorrow. Biff Pogey and the 49ers will take the podium for the first time as members of the conference. The event is being held in Arlington, Texas as a celebration of the conference's 10-year anniversary and is the first media day under the league's new 14-team configuration. And sticking with college football, I was joined by another name you may know earlier this week. Well, joining us on Charlotte Sports Live today, we have first-year head coach at Coastal Carolina, Tim Beck. Coach, how are things going for you? Just how has everything been going the past few months since you've uh, taken over down there in Conway? It's going great. You know, I'm uh, very excited. Um, I'm honored to, to be the fourth head coach here at Coastal Carolina. And, and uh, you know, like every job, you got a lot of challenges. You hit the ground running and uh, you never have a day off. So uh, other than that, it's been great. <laughs> and, of course, you've been very familiar with the program and with Conway. Your daughter did play volleyball at Coastal. You mentioned in your, in your introductory presser how the program is a gold mine. What did you notice from afar over the years, and how special is it to be back there as a head coach where your daughter played? Yeah, it's uh, very special, right? And I was able, very fortunate, to, to establish some relationships with uh, when my daughter was playing here. Uh, you know, Coach Foreman, the volleyball coach, and Coach Moglia, and just different people involved. And and so uh, over that time, I'm just watching and being around the people, and I watched how this university shaped and molded my daughter and the woman that she became. And I'm very proud of her and her work ethic and just the kind of person she is. And so obviously my wife and I have instilled a lot of that, but she went to a university that, you know, believed in the same uh, attributes, characteristics, qualities that we did. And it, they just continued on uh, what we started in her. And so if it's good enough for my daughter, then it was good enough for me. Uh, and I tell recruits that all the time when her parents uh, when, when we're recruiting them. So uh, really, really, uh, I saw potential. I saw a lot of growth. Um, yeah, I saw a program winning. Um, I, I see a bunch of young players and players that love playing football and love the game in a community that supports them. 
And you mentioned recruiting. Obviously, probably the hardest part of recruiting nowadays in college is re-recruiting your own team because obviously the portal is alive and well, as you've seen over the years. Of course, a week after you get the job, Grayson McCall from here around the Charlotte area, three-time Sunbelt Player of the Year, enters the portal, eventually comes back. You know, just what was your pitch to him and how significant is it to have him back to lead this team uh, going into the year? Yeah, I mean – Probably, I mean, we should have got credit for the, the, the number one recruit in the country uh, signing Grayson back, getting Grayson back. But, um, you know, I think Grayson, uh, I don't know that Grayson ever truly, truly wanted to leave. I think there were a lot of options for him. And unfortunately, or fortunately for us, or however you want to look at it, the way the rules are written, he had to enter the portal to see what those options were, to be able to communicate with people. He was hearing people out potentially um in today's world that's college football you got to be able to deal with nil and portal and transfers and and but his heart is here and it's always been here and i've i've known grayson for a while obviously when my daughter was here grayson was here and i, I think the world of him as a player i always admire the way he played how hard he played how tough he played um you know i just uh I'm a big fan of his, and so to have an opportunity to be around and coach him, um, I'm, I'm blessed and and certainly um, doing everything that I can to help him get to the level that he wants to get to. Of course, you know, obviously this season, a lot of expectations around the program, just given what the success that they've had the past few years, being able to open the season up at the iconic Rose Bowl. Just give me your outlook for not just that game, but the entire year and maybe what fans can expect out of this team because there's going to be a lot of new faces around, similar to how it was last year as well. Yeah, you know, I think uh, it's interesting. What You know, what's success, right? How do you measure success? Unfortunately, we measure it with wins and losses and championships and Certainly we're shooting for all of those types of things, but great quality young men working hard, getting degrees, getting better. Like the biggest thing for me right now is to get better, right? We have, we have a guaranteed 12 game schedule. We got to play our best game, our last game. Like every game has got to be our best game. And we got to continue to get better as the season progresses. Our team has bonded well this summer. They, they've worked really hard. They look good. They've gotten stronger. They've gotten bigger. All the things we've asked them to do, they've done. And so, you know, in a couple of weeks, we'll get a chance to find out what we're all about when we get on the grass. Well, that opener, of course, coming up soon. The shots get things going at the iconic Rose Bowl against UCLA on September 2nd. Coach Beck, we appreciate the time. Thank you. Appreciate you guys. All right, a big day off the diamond for baseball and a former Brave star who got the call of a lifetime. Our QC Crowns coming up next. All right, if you haven't listened to Charlotte Sports Live, the podcast yet, you are missing out. Scan the code on your screen right there. Tap the button that pops up and hit subscribe. Get all your Charlotte Sports Live news and chatter in the palm of your hand any day of the week. And you're especially going to want it this week while we are here at Wofford College for Panthers training camp. But we got to hand out our QC crown, Gabe. You get to do the honors tonight. Yeah, so we give it to two people, or should I say two Hall of Famers, Fred McGriff and Scott Rowland, inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame today. McGriff played five seasons with the Braves in the mid-'90s, winning a World Series in 1995. And, of course, we talked about the podcast. We got to visualize for the folks at home that might be listening. We're matching in our CSL gear. I got the polo on. Grace has on her quarter zip. 
but it's a little chilly, you know? It rained here. Okay. I understand it's going to get hotter. R relax, relax. <laughs> it was appropriate for tonight. But um, speaking of appropriate, if you are preparing to come to training camp, there are some items that you might want to check off when you get down here. I mean, sunscreen, mm -hmm. water, bug spray. bug spray, sunglasses. And if you are Gabe McDonald, you have extras. This, an electric lunchbox. It is good for on the go. I had some leftovers. I went to Mr. Charles Chicken and Fish, a little soul food Sunday. So I had some leftover collard greens, cornbread, fried chicken, some fish, the good stuff. You don't want it to go to waste. You don't want to leave it at home and pay for food. Well, we we got to say, so an electric lunchbox, yeah. he plugs this thing in while we were in the middle of a thunderstorm. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, that might not be the best idea, but to each their own. I swiftly hey, left the car after. You made it here. We live to tell the story. And guess what? I'm full. I didn't have to worry about eating, so we're good. And also get a neck fan. If you watch my Instagram story, I will get those. McDonald, you got to get that too. That was a good idea. I'll get that And a bucket hat and a sweat towel. Let's bring everything. Unpack your whole house. <laughs> come out here to Spartanburg and have a great time because that's what we're going to do these next three weeks. It's going to be a fun camp, Grace. Yeah, we hope you had a good time here with us, but we got to leave it because we got a we got a lot to do. Yeah, Michael Set will join you in the in the morning, but we thank you for joining us here tonight for Game McDonald. I'm Grace Grill. Have a good night, everybody. We'll be back here tomorrow. <laughs>